Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of With Tamara Gondor. That is me, where I have the privilege of interviewing everyday innovators across the globe who are doing amazing things in their world. They are thinking differently about the problems in front of them, finding opportunities, hiding in plain sight, and maybe most importantly, making an impact in their communities and in their worlds. And today is no exception. So let us dig in. Maureen, welcome to the show. Tell everybody who you are and the world that you're in. Ooh, thank you for having <laughs> me. Such an honor. Um, and thanks for everything that you do in the world. Oh, thank you. Being, uh, having everybody understand that innovation is accessible to all of us. So I am the founder and CEO of the Moxie Exchange. Um, we've been around about 13 years and we are solving for how to diversify the leadership table and create inclusive workplaces where everyone can thrive. And um, a couple of years ago, I I joke and I say that we're at Moxie about 4.0 right now. (laughs) Um, And we brought to market um, a a product that is really innovating and disrupting in the diversity, equity, and uh, inclusion space. So let's talk about that, because I think the the topic itself is a really big, important, hot topic right now. But let's talk about in that space, what you did that's so innovative and and how you brought that to market. So can you share that story with us? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I'll give you a little bit of context first, even just for folks to understand the difference between diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. So diversity is who's right, who's in your organization. Equity is everything from pay practices to promotion practices, right? All of that. Diversity and equity are handled at the systems level and at the leadership level. If I'm an individual contributor, I can't, I, I don't impact pay equity, right? I don't impact how um, who we're hiring. Uh, inclusion and belonging, on the other hand, are literally every single person in the organization all day long and how they treat one another. And so you really have to separate those things out. And that actually was a huge opportunity because what we saw is lots of organizations leaning into diversity and equity and then putting people in toxic work environments, not taking care of inclusion and belonging and not providing the tools and resources for everybody that we say everybody is NBC, nice but clueless, (laughs) Uh, right? So they're not showing up at work and saying, I really want other people. I really want to be a jerk today. They just don't have the tools. And so it's interesting because when I look at the evolution of Moxie and, and where we've come, we started as a peer advisory organization for women. Right. So where women could come together, learn from each other, accelerate their careers, accelerate their path to leadership. A couple of years in women in the programs and, and those programs were being used. Our, our process and our model uh, was being used at big, you know, Fortune 50 companies. A couple of years in when we're like, great, you know, I'm, I am taking up space. I'm taking credit for my work. I'm doing all these things. I'm leaning in until I fall over. 
systems broken. And that's when we made our first big pivot. We'd already, and we'd already started making a pivot to digital, right? So things could be scalable. Then it was like, oh, well, you know, actually we have to help organizations with that diversity and equity piece. And so it, it, it's so funny tomorrow because like micro learning, now people are like, yeah, yeah, micro learning. Uh, we were first to market with micro learning, both in our women's programming and our unconscious bias programming. And, and so that was like eight years ago, right? So we were in, in blue ocean, this, how do we scale, right? And how do we, how do we reach people? Third pivot was we really need to help with the inclusion space, right? That we've got these programs for leaders and we're leaning into that. How do we help individual contributors, everybody, every day? Um, and created a micro learning course for, uh, for individuals. And then it was really interesting, right? We were having great traction. We were, and I was still like, gosh, you know, people still have to go log in somewhere. They have to, you know, they have to enroll. They have to do the whole thing. So yeah, it's fast and it's there. And it, it is solving for part of the issue, but not all of the issue. And I was actually speaking at a conference and I walked out and literally every single person was already head down looking. And I went, holy, right? And it was this, like, if it was like the cartoon with the light bulb over my head. I'm like, this is frictionless delivery. Everybody has their phone all day long. And I'm going to wonk out on a little bit of neuroscience for a second. We spend most of our life in habit because we're protecting our brain. Our brain takes up most of our oxygen, right? And so we use habits to consume as little uh, oxygen as possible outside thinking, right? And, and protecting the brain. And I was like, we get to hack in to an already existing habit loop. People are already checking their phone, right? And, and what we're gonna deliver is an inclusion nudge. And the nudges, here's some more neuroscience, are so small, um, you're like, yeah, I can do that. I got 30 seconds. I have three minutes. And they're also so short that when you're done, you're like, huh, look at me. I'm getting it done. And so you want to you keep going. So we've got frictionless delivery. We're hacking into a habit loop and we're delivering in a way that is um, that, that people can keep going. So what we've done is completely upended who has access, focus, and control? It's the individual now, right? I can go and I can search. I just met somebody, right? It's not somebody, it's not a leader saying, here's what we think you need. It's not we're going to go sit in a conference room and have a, a half an hour, even hour long training that isn't sticky and doesn't change behavior. So we're changing behavior, um, which is really when you're talking about inclusion, that is what, right? It's a set of choices people make all day long. What words am I going to use? Who am I inviting to that meeting? Did I order a lunch that somebody who is Hindu can eat or, you know, is every, so all of these little choices are what make up inclusion. And we've put that in everybody's hands. And, and we've even, I think it'll let you jump in tomorrow, but we've even innovated the product since then. We're in the middle, our VFEAT3 testing is happening right now. Um, but I'll, I'll pause because I know I've just no, been like, no, that's fantastic. No, this, the interview is all about you. So I'm happy not to jump in, but I just want to, I do want to say one thing, which is 
just, I think for everybody listening, I just want them to kind of get the context of the innovation. Not The product is so amazing, Maureen. Like I, I love that it, as you're talking, I'm just smiling because I'm thinking, wow, like how brilliant to take, first of all, a gap in the marketplace, but then marry it with the, and an important gap, right? To your point, the real change happens at the front lines. It happens with the employees all over the organization, not just with leadership and not just with top down. And But that seems like a, for lack of a better way to say it, it's a, I don't want to say an easier fix, but it's a more tangible. It's like, oh, I'll just, I'll fix pay, I'll fix recruitment, I'll fix, and those are all important. I'm not saying they're not, but dealing with the day-to-day is a little scary for people, I think. And you've created this app that makes it super easy and I don't know if comfortable is the right world where it's also accessible, um, but also like the other thing I just wanted to highlight, I think what makes it partially so innovative, it partially is because it's meaningful, right? It actually has a real place in the market and with customers, but also at the time when you launch this and really still today, the options are webinars, courses, workshops, things that take you away from your work and where companies have to invest a lot of money at levels of the organization that don't normally get the investment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, so, so and oh, there's so much to say. I know, right? <laughs> Where do we go? <laughs> so one of the things I would say that, that when I think about how we innovated, I'm paying attention. Right? I'm sort of paying attention to what's missing, but also what exists. And how do, right? So hacking into a habit loop on phones, right? That's an, that, so we didn't have to create a new way, a new tool, a new, so what was missing was ongoing accessible. And we do use the word accessible uh, because it's the same content as in the app, whether I'm in the C-suite or I'm an individual contributor. So it's also really equitable access to tools and resources, The other thing is now we're two years in post-launch. V1, I think we were up to like 1.9. Then we launched V2. Now we're in the middle of V3. One of the things that we're also doing is, yes, inclusion is every single person all day long. And inclusion is not, doesn't happen in a vacuum. So what we have really done is leaned into, and we're creating what we're calling a rhythm of inclusion, where it's embedding it across the organization. So now we have, there's those daily nudges that are coming, right? That's at the individual level. People leaders impact in most organizations at least 80% of, uh, they they touch at least 80% of employees. So when you think about where impact happens, and we're asked all the time, who's doing this work well? People hate my answer because I say nobody. (laughs) There is no organization that across the board is doing this well. Your culture is actually built at the team level, at the micro cultures. And so there are organizations that are, that they have lots of micro cultures that are doing well. What we've done is given team leaders nudges that are specific to them. Mm -hmm. To their level. That well, no, that they can use no. with their, that they can use with their team. Oh. Because team leaders more than anybody. So if you think about this, people are always like, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid to say or do the wrong thing. 
right? So the app is giving you information and tools on what do I say? I just met somebody. Is it deaf? Is it hard of hearing? Is it hearing loss? Is it hearing impaired? What is it, right? I can go. Teams then are those microcultures. So we've created nudges for those team leaders that come out once a week that are a 52-week playbook. Open the app, ask your team, what's something that you're curious about? Let's learn about it together. Yeah, I love it. Um, Open the app. It's the start of the month. Open the calendar. What are some of the um, events that are happening this month? And we do this as a team, right? We absolutely practice what we preach. So for example, our uh, weekly huddle is on Tuesdays and it was February 1st. We opened the app. We didn't even look at all of February. We looked at the fact just February 1st, start of Black History Month, major pagan holiday, Lunar New Year, um, sign, uh, anniversary of the signing of the 13th Amendment, right? And we just had conversations about all of those. And so what happens, those are designed to be about five to seven minutes. At the end of the year, that team has spent four and a half to six hours wow. in conversation about inclusion that matters to them. Yeah. Um, and so, and then we, we've created curated content guides and now people can earn badges for affinity months. So Black History Month, I can earn a badge, Women's History Month, and then the organization can use that right at the monthly level. And we've built in pulse surveys that very specifically measure the emotion of inclusion. Those are happening quarterly. And so you, you've got this rhythm individual, team, organization, right? And so it's embedded. It's embedded into everything. And we're collecting data, anonymous aggregate, and do not want to track back to anybody. We just released our metadata report. What are people interested in? What are they searching for? What areas of the app are they they accessing? So then it's data-informed insights for the organization to... Okay, now here's programming that we actually should invest in. Yeah. Folks are telling us they need it. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD dog treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy. 
But before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. So there's a couple of things, Maureen, that you said that I just want to highlight for everybody listening because they're so important. I feel like we could talk about this topic and what your app does and the power of it for probably the entire day. <laughs> but there are a couple of things I want to point out. One is you said when you start when we started this part um, that you married what was missing with what already existed. And I think that is probably part, aside from the content being fantastic and the app being integral and, and hitting, I think, this topic where it needed to be kind of addressed. Um, part of the reason for its success is, you know, I think oftentimes with innovation that we bring to market with new ideas, it's very easy to get so wildly innovative that we miss the handle that people can hold on to, the thing that makes us go, I get it. And so putting it on here on the phone makes that handle not only easy, but it's like, to your point, already integrated into how I live my life. I think my phone report the other day said, you know, you get those weekly reports, which either make me feel good about myself or bad about myself, depending on the report. Mine was like, your screen time is up 38%. I was like, what have I been doing this week? But but I'm on it all the time. So that was one thing you said. Um, and the other thing you said that I think is essential with change of any kind and, and here's the reality with all of the diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, right? It's new territory for a lot of us. And um, even if we've been doing it well, the focus on it is just new territory. And for most companies, they're fumbling. But, but to your point, you're hitting it at the individual and at the te- micro team level. And so I think change can't happen when you only address it at one place. And so what I hear, what I love about that, what you're saying, what makes me really excited about the app is, is it hits it at both areas. And that has got to make that kind of adoption of that change or that evolution of the culture easier for everybody. Well, and so, right, we always anchor back to behave, what you're, re, and when you're talking about this, you're talking about behavior change. Um, and so any kind of behavior change is hard. And by the way, this is behavior change that will never stop, right? So we right? The journey, you're never, there's no arrival. It's always a priority. And so we also, some of the first nudges that people get are, why should you care about this? Because we want people to be inclusive because it's the right thing to do. It's the ethical thing to do. Right, right, exactly. Never, it's always positioned as a benefit, never, never mandatory. But if I'm, if I'm having to remember what a gender neutral pronoun is, or if I'm having to remember not to schedule a meeting during Ramadan or right, all these different things, I, gotta, I have to fundamentally know what's in it for me. We want people to do it for the right reason. So it's like, hey, this is good for your career, right? People that get along, get ahead. Um, you're gonna, the team environment's gonna be way better. So we actually have guided onboarding for managers, people leaders, on how to use the app with the team and why they should actually care about using the app with the team, right? Get to those fundamentals. So we also built in gamification. There's bad sharing. Um, and we did that because we said, share that you're up to good, 
right? Share that you're on this journey, share that you're making progress. And so it's actually really fun seeing how organizations are doing different things. Like they're having bad sharing competitions. They, right. The, the more, you know, depending on their culture, um, passports, you know, different, like download this and you get a couple of extra hours um, off. Right. So that gamification piece also takes a topic right, that people can get freaked out about and it makes it kind of fun. Yeah, which I think is really important. Both what you said about I need to know what's in it for me, even if I want to do the right thing. Even I think I like to believe that most people are coming from that place. To your point, we don't come to work to say the wrong thing and to be a jerk. It just it sometimes just happens. Nice but clueless. Yeah, yeah, and, and but also fun really matters. So, so I want to ask you. Well, there's really, I'm going to ask you two questions at once so that you can kind of decide which one to answer first. But they're two sides of the same coin. So one is what in this whole journey and, and, and driving this change in the marketplace and doing it in a different way, what is the thing with this app that you're most proud of? And then the other side of that, what is the biggest challenge you've had and how have you overcome that? And I'll let you kind of decide where, how you want to answer those together. Um, I'll start with challenge. So when you're doing something innovative and disruptive, there's education that needs to happen um, with the buyer. Individuals are like, heck yeah, bring it on. Give me the app. <laughs> but like, Isn't that funny when you say that like that? Like, uh-huh. It's not the people using that have the resistance. It's the people writing the checks that are, that are like, yeah. Huh. Because they're like, well, it's on desktop too, right? It's like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, because none of us are on our desktops, honey. <laughs> And I, I, I had somebody say to me the other day, oh, we just really wish it was on the desktop so people could use it during work. And I said, where's your phone right now? <laughs> she went, oh. <laughs> well, also, I want to point out something real quick, Mo, as you answer this question, which is, so I had some plumbing work done on my house yesterday and I had a bunch of people in here doing quotes. And one guy and I were chatting away while we were waiting for his like, you know, iPad to do whatever it was doing. And we got talking about food. And he said to me, what are you, by the way? And I said, what do you mean? He goes like, what, what are you like? You have dark hair and all that. And I said, oh, I'm Israeli. And it doesn't offend me because I know he's coming from a good place. And he said, I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't know how to ask the question. And the reason I bring this up is, first of all, he had great intent. So there was nothing offensive about the conversation at all. I just want to say that for everybody. Like, he just was trying to ask me like, oh, like you are, you know, you like Italian food. Are you Italian? That's kind of what he was trying to get at. And I was like, no, I'm Israeli. But he had a phone. He didn't have a computer because he's out in the field. So not everybody's on a desktop. So I, I just wanted to share that story with you real quick as you answer the question. Well, and most people, the majority of jobs are deskless jobs. Yes, right. And he was a great example of that. Yeah. Well, and even, so let's use the example of we wish it was on desktop. Okay. So then somebody has to go and they have to log in. And they have to remember their password and they have to, and they have to write. So we've disrupted their day versus hacking into a habit loop. Like, but so right. Getting people and like, well, can it connect to our LMS? Because we really want to track back and see what people, who is using the app. Well, that's one of the things that we've done is anonymous, right? There's no personally identifiable. And so asking them what's in, why is that like, getting them past the understanding of that's really not the most important thing here. <laughs> right. 
So I would say that, that it's like people clinging to the old model. And it's really interesting because I can always tell early the, the people that are like hacky, right? That you can tell they're very open to innovative new ways of doing because they know what's been done isn't working. But I would say that's been the biggest challenge. We know how to address those now. And there's some orgs that it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> and by the way, your, your culture is never going to change, right? So, um, Just the- can I ask you a quick question before you kind of go on. How do you know? What are the kind of things that you hear? when you know they're on board for like new ideas and, and maybe just because I, I get some people I think who are, so we have our digital magazine, right? That comes out monthly with innovation and it's got stories and insights and resources and downloads. So it's a mag it's an in digital magazine, interactive format, which is in our field, funny enough, totally disruptive because everyone's doing webinars, courses, right? So, and sometimes I get people on the phone to talk about it, right? To buy it for their teams. And I can hear when they're like, hell yeah, sign me up. On the uh, objection side, I feel like sometimes there are people who are holding. And then there are some people who are just skeptical and want to understand. And I have to vet out which kind of which yeah, side yeah. those people are on. Because that yeah. is right. There's people that are just right. They're really inquisitive and they're trying to, <coughs> they're trying to solve the whole, excuse me. <coughs> They're trying to solve the whole thing. They're really trying to see. And so with those folks, we can walk them through because we've got a customer success and change management partner. Like we know the best practices. We have a communication rollout toolkit and then we've got a whole community, right? So we can, they need to, they need to see from time of download all the way through. Mm. How it's so they just need like proof of product basically, they need, right? They need the detail. They need to touch it and feel it. They're, they're okay. the, they're the implementers. Yeah. Right? Your brain already goes to implementation. Great. We can we can talk how long. Yeah. I just want to bring that up for people though, because I think that sometimes we mistake inquisitiveness with um, objections. And actually, I frankly I think the more questions they ask, that means the more engaged they are. Uh, absolutely. And the fact that we have answers is <laughs> really important. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so keep going. Sorry, I keep interrupting. Well, no, I would say it's the people that are, and I can always tell the people that are like, ah, because they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to be able to activate our work across the entire organization. Oh my gosh, we're going to be able to get this data that tells us where we should focus, right? Yeah. Because they understand the gaps. Um, It's the people that are like, can I connect to our LMS and can we get it on desktop? That I'm like, not the solution for you. Um, Our wins, what we're most proud of, we uh, are tracking data, uh, some qualitative data and quantitative data um, from our pilots. And within two weeks, I think we're, it's like 58% of people have taken a tangible action as, re- as a result of using the app. That's awesome. Within a month, that's up over 80%. Wow. So it's not just, hey, this is cool and we're getting nudges because one of our core values at Moxie is action, not just what is it, but what do I do? And so people are, are tangibly using the product, right? And, and so we know and the stories that we're getting, tomorrow, one of them, you'll appreciate. There was a woman that was like, my neighbor's Jewish and I, like it was the high holidays. And she's like, and I went to the app and I learned and I was like, I knew what they were celebrating. I knew what I could say to them. And so we actually also have people that I love those stories of people using it with their families, with their communities. And we're just, we're hearing the, 
I, I'm not afraid anymore to wade in because I have this tool. Yeah, that's very cool. So let me just highlight for everybody listening at what type of everyday innovator you are, since I have that data on you, which is instinctual risk taker. And Maureen, I just have to say, so instinctual is all about a little bit more of a circuitous thinking path, right? Connecting A to B to X back over to A and then over to Y, maybe to S. Um, But because of that, you're able to take information and pull it up into insights, right? Which is where the innovation really happens and able to connect dots in new and meaningful ways, which I think we heard as you were talking about, like, I'm walking through this conference hall and I'm looking at everybody have on their phones, which most of us would just brush over like, oh, like all these people on their phones, we're all on our phones, but you connected the dot there. And then the risk taker is all about innovating in the uncomfortable. And I would say from watching your journey that like you are very, you are good in the uncomfortable. Like that's when you innovate best. Like you would rather leap and figure it out than stay on the ledge and assess. And that, but that's where you innovate best. So the combination is connective and bold innovation, which I think is really cool to hear the story of the app, because to me, it, it connects the dots of how that translates into what you've done. Yeah. 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 It's been, uh, you know, never a dull moment. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you just kind of just the high level, what's, what's the future of the innovation and the vision for your organization? And I'd say specifically for the app. Yeah, so there are a couple of things, right? We will continue to um, look at user experience, right? And just how to, like, we are uh, a double A rating accessibility from like the W3 blah, blah, blahs, right? So we're world-class in terms of any sort of um, disability. We also are always thinking about accessibility from, so for example, we've got, some of the world's largest manufacturers that are rolling out the app. We have construction companies. We have, we're always thinking about not building sexy tech, building accessible tech, mm. not putting in bells yeah. and whistles that if I'm in a, if I'm a tech oriented person, I'll be like, Ooh, that's cool. Blah, blah, blah. But it turns off the average user. Yeah. So we're going to continue to lean into what's the entire experience for users. Um, and continue to write, how do we how do we really create that rhythm of inclusion and what are tools and resources? But the when I think about what we're doing in terms of we say we're ripple effect to create a positive tsunami, it's around the data. So we are collecting data again that nobody but Google is, and we're up to good. Um, anonymous aggregate, what are those trends? It tells you so much. And, and, and we're, and we're putting that back out into the world, right? So that any, so that we can say, Hey, if you're not doing things around gender identity, um, understanding and understanding gender identity and non-binary and, and gender neutral pronouns, get on it because doesn't matter the organization size, doesn't matter the industry, people are trying to figure that out. Uh, right. So it's, it's really, those data insights and those trends over time, right? That's just one thing. People are really interested in religion. They're really interested in generational stereotype. You know, I, I think one of our users, um, he's a, a straight white uh, private wealth man, like, right? Like the guy has all the privileges, which is fantastic because he's learning to use them. He didn't want to use the app at all, 
right? And then he found um, one of his colleagues, same demographics as him, was like, dude, you, you should really check this out. It's pretty cool. And so he started using the app. He is a champion within the organization now. He's like, I thought this was going to be a tool to make me feel bad about being a white guy. And he said, mind blown. I, I'm thinking about diversity way beyond race and gender. And, um, and like, I'm just like, he's excited about it now right? because he's seeing all the different things. So I think the impact you're making in the world is very cool. And I so appreciate that you've done it in a meaningful, meaningful and innovative way. Um, the last two questions I have for you, I can't believe we're, we're out of time here, but one is as an essential risk taker, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators of all types who are looking to do what you've done in their world to kind of find that gap where you can add that meaningful innovation? Yeah. I mean, pay attention to your own gaps, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can solve for some of the issues that, that you're experiencing. And I would say the other thing is surround yourself, particularly when you are, your idea is new with other innovators. With other people, like, you know, the man in the arena quote, right? Because it's so easy to be a critic and it's really hard to be a creator. Pay attention to other creators, when, right? Because they're going to help make your idea better versus shut your idea down. And so I think, I, I think that part and then just start. Starting is the hardest thing and just, just start. So I really, the critic versus creator, I love that. And I would say to people, um, if you don't think you have those people in your world or you can't identify them right away, you know, I'm a big fan of stalking people real time. So I find innovators out in the world doing stuff and I follow them on LinkedIn. I, I go to their newsletter if they have a public product or whatever. I watch their videos. So I think it's awesome if you have those people in your world. And I think we have more of those people than we think. We just have to find them. But also, you can get that inspiration from people you don't know just by stalking them. And don't wait for their book to come out. Like, stalk them in real time. And I'm, I'm a huge fan, as you know, of reverse engineering. So if, you, you're, if you're doing something well, you better believe not only am I subscribing to it or buying it or checking it out, but I'm reverse engineering what you've done. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so helpful. Yeah. And I, there are just, particularly now, I, I would say the critics to creators is probably about a 50 to one ratio. Everybody's a critic now. Everybody. Um, so be, you know, make sure you're, you, like you said, even if you don't have them in your life, you actually do have them in your life. <laughs> yeah, you probably do. And if, and, and there's great inspiration out there. Yeah. So Maureen, my last question, of course, is personal. What's the one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? <laughs> there, um, one thing you, I'm surprised. I don't know. You know me. What do you think people be surprised to know about me? I. Hobby and passion. I don't think it's surprising as much as it's critical. Um, and that is, I am out in nature hugging a tree like every day. And if I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I'm passionate and I am will because it's, a, we're trying to change the world. I work a lot, but if I'm not working, I have a backpack on and I'm lost on a, on a trail somewhere. 
Well, I'm going to add to that, Maureen. I hope you don't mind, but you and I have had conversations in the past about like, if we won the lottery, like what would we do? And your answer is always, my husband and I, my whole family would go to REI and we would buy everything. Like it's never, I would buy a car. I would buy a house. You're like, we'd get backpacking equipment and kayaks. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Our, our young adult son just came home and we actually have a whole gear room. Yeah. He's like, are you, all have, are you starting a camping store? Like what's happening? <laughs> You're like, oh no, that's for us, honey. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. I mean, I love that about you. And I actually, I just want to say for all of us, it's also a great piece of advice, Maureen, because like right now I'm sitting in front of my computer, right? We're doing this interview. I have five of these today and I'm so excited about them, but it means I'm in front of this glaring light and my computer and my shades closed all day long. And like, I've, I think now that we're working from home too, and we don't even have transition time, which most of us don't miss commuting. So fine, but we need to be outside just a little bit more, you know, absolutely. than we were before. Absolutely. And I would say like, and find the thing that grounds you, right. For me, I, I literally have to be, because it's my, if I want to keep innovating, if I want to keep driving, if I'm, you know, as a team, we say, we're just trying to change the world, right. Trying to change the world is not easy. You have to come at that with your battery. And, and the last two years have been brutal for this absolutely brutal. I feel like everybody's battery is like blinking, like help, help. stop. but find your daily thing that, that can fill you back up. I love that. Maybe it's not nature. Maybe it's yoga or maybe it's just taking a nap, whatever. Whatever. You do you. You do you. Right. Right. Oh, Maureen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing the impact you're making in the world, but also kind of pulling back the curtain and and sharing the the creative problem solving and the strategic thinking that went behind it. Cause I think that's the, you know, that innovation is the foundation of success for a lot of what you're doing. Thanks for having me. And thanks for this. As I started with like what you're doing is so important because we need innovators. Well, right? as you and I've talked about, right? Like, uh, yeah, we do need innovators and most people don't realize they're innovators. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like we need people to tap into their innovative powers. Yes, we do. Be creator, to be creator. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Creator over critic. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.